All right, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and discuss every individual minute of Man of Steel, uh, one minute at a time. Um, I'm Nathan. You can find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I am Jason Kyle. You can find me at thatmightbecool.com. You can uh, listen to our minute-by-minute podcast that is called The Living Dead Minute, where we go through the first zombie movie, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, You can also listen to the Savage Land podcast. That's our comic book, movie, and TV discussion show. Uh, We interview comic book creators uh, about their work, such as Patrick Gleason, the current writer-artist behind Superman, uh, among a bunch of other people who have written amazing comics for DC, Marvel, Image, and uh, other publishers. So give it a listen, check it out, and uh, yeah, you can also find me on Twitter at That Might Be Cool. All righty. All right. Well, today, last day of the week here, old Marky boy. And our 60th minute. Yes. So, so we are now uh, one hour into this <laughs> endeavor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So applause, pats on back, sir. You know, drinks all around. Um, this oh, minute... I, I made it through all 60, guys. It's been a long road. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so this minute is going to start out with, a uh, again, finishing those establishing sh- shots from yesterday with um, a pretty little butterfly on a, what I assumed was a swing set. I don't know. It could just be a chain of something. Um, mm. But it, it's going to end um, with Clark now telling his mother that he knows where he comes from. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of a, a big, big, heavy pill to swallow, probably for Martha Kent. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of a, a, a short scene, or short minute, really, uh, which is, I don't know why it could be a short minute, because they're all the same length, but it does feel a little bit short, but I <laughs> I, I, I love this minute. I, uh, uh, I, can I just reiterate my love for Diane Lane as Martha Kent? Uh, no, you may not. Oh, well, I'm going to anyways, because, yes, please. <laughs> Yas Queen. Yeah, <laughs> she's <laughs> she's great. No, and I like this this minute. I I really like the way it's shot. I mean, like first off, there is corn for freaking miles in this mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of nice, like the the sunlight sort of bouncing off of the you know golden corn at the top. Like it's a very cool uh, cool looking uh, yes. scene. Uh, it just I makes. I also Im- point. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say it, it makes. Uh, compared to the rest of the world that Zack Snyder shows in this universe, this is the most serene, beautiful part of it, the entire planet, almost looks like. It's like, you know, once Clark is home, there's nothing brighter or sunnier or happy than than this little farm in Kansas. Um, so they do yeah. a great job with that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to point out that I failed to take note on what kind of butterfly that was. Um, I think it's a viceroy butterfly. <laughs> is it? Did we yeah. did we say that? No? I, I'm pretty sure I looked it up. You looked it up? Okay. The only way I remember is because of viceroy. That's good. Um, if you know me, you should know that I know my butterflies. <laughs> and I know my viceroys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Gotta know your viceroys. There we go. Um, um, I... I think that uh, it might be a Kent family tradition to wear goofy hats that don't look quite right on you. <laughs> it looks great on her. <laughs> it's kind of like the old Kent family ankle. They just have the Kent family goofy hats. The dog should have had a hat. <laughs> the butterfly should have had a hat. That would be amazing. Mm. Oh, that dude. Somebody should go in and, and edit uh, <laughs> edit a little hat on that butterfly. <laughs> be amazing. If they're going to do that, they need to edit hats onto every scene where we see Jonathan, Martha, or Clark. Like, every single scene of them. The tornado has a it. hat. Yeah, everybody has a <laughs> yeah, hat on. The tornado has a hat. We need it. It needs I will to also, happen. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I will also point out that uh, Jonathan Kent died for nothing because now it's, you know, 10 years later and they have a new dog anyway. So it looks like the old one's already passed on. So Yeah, I know. It's, it's tough for Jonathan Kent. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it is actually 16 kidding. years since he passed away Oof. but i don't know i don't know if clark has been away for 16 years i don't think so yeah he just bounced as soon as john died you know he was like all right mom you lost your husband uh time for you to lose me too see ya yeah because i know that they said shortly after 
he did leave. But that, you know, you don't know what shortly after means. You don't know if he like stayed yeah. for at least a year or something. But you know, she's a strong woman, so maybe he she was like, <laughs> "You know what? You go do what, you know, your father wanted you to do and that was to find, you know, your true self." You know, so maybe yeah. maybe he was gone for 16 years. We they, know they did say that it was shortly after that happened. Yeah. Not long after did he yeah. decide to hop, skip, jump, oh. swim, dodge, dip, I'll, duck, I'll bet dive, that he was dodge. there at least for... Uh, <laughs> I'll bet he was there for at least like a year afterward or something because that'd, that'd be a little insensitive to just like take off right after your, uh, right after your dad died. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So did he go to college? Did he, did he take uh, beginner medical classes? Did he learn how to cauterize wounds? Did he do all maybe, of these things? Maybe I bet he got yo, a PhD. Yeah. Maybe he did go to college just to, in respect to his father and then was like, you know what? That's not what he really wanted me to do. He wanted me to find my myself and my parents. So maybe he did that. Really? I mean, over the course of 16 years, he could have gone all the way through a PhD and still done all of the weird traveling adventure things that we saw and fit perfectly within that time frame of 16 years. Like, that's a long time. Yeah, it's very yeah. true. Um, like, I think I said it before that um, in the new uh, Max Landis uh, American Alien, it kind of shows there's like a, a yeah. whole spread of, of like two pages that show, you know, the ad- adventures of young Clark f- finding himself and, you know... He does do the whole sports thing, becomes the best. He is seen, I'm pretty sure he's like in a lab coat with a, you know, a beaker test tube or whatever and shows it's like, oh yeah, he knows science, he knows sports, he knows math, he's good. That's how you portray someone as knowing science. Yeah. They have to hold a beaker. Lab yeah, they, yeah, they look like Dr. <laughs> Dr. Honey, Bunsen Honeydew. Is that his name? I was thinking of Dr. Bunsen and Beaker. That's exactly who I'm saying. The Muppets? Yes, his, oh. Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. Oh, it's his name, right? Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, I didn't his know Honeydew. Name. That his name. last name was Bunsen. Oh, Honeydew. Okay, there we go. I should know this. I'm a huge <laughs> Muppets fan. Um, damn, I'm gonna just quit now. And welcome back to Muppets Minute. Oh, dude, I would love to do one. <laughs> Donnie, do you want to do Muppets Minute? No, not right. happening. Um, anyways, uh, getting back on track here. Um. It also wouldn't have taken him 16 years to find himself anyways. You know, it would have... He probably did that whole journey in, like, a couple... Oh, like, maybe a week. So it's like, maybe he did stay with her for... The whole, like, the whole beginning scene of him being Greenhorn and him being Joe and him being, uh, you know, working at Cassidy, Cassidy's... I don't know how long that took. I think that was probably just, like, a couple years. couple months, because he was at the bar for a couple months. Well, he was at the bar for a couple months. But it's not like you can just work on a fishing boat for a day. I just don't think he. It... I don't think he used all sixteen years to find himself. No, I don't think so either. I think we we'll all agree on that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh, hitches a ride from a trucker, and the truck has a certain logo on it. Do we know what that logo is? Uh, yes, we do. What is? Well, it? we do. Uh, well, well, we know. It's it's an old logo for LexCorp. Yes, so it is. Uh, I think they might be getting some corporate rebranding sometime soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys catch the slogan on the truck? I did not. I did no. not. It says, better farming through science, which Ooh. at first glance, it may just seem like, oh, okay, well, LexCorp has a division in agriculture and farming, so, you know, good on them. Yes. Um, but you can maybe apply this to Clark Kent and the fact that saying, you know, you've been farming, but now you're going to get, like, this huge science lesson from your real father, Jor-El, and it's going to make you a better person because you've gotten your values from your farmer parents and you've gotten your values from your Krypton parents, and they've kind of super combined into, like, this Venn diagram of this now... Uh, Clark Kent so, or Kal El, Superman. So you're so in your opinion, you know? Kal El should be the utmost, uh, the the world leading agricultural scientist. Yeah, that was that's where I was getting at. <laughs> is that he knows how to he probably farm, could yeah. be. I mean, yeah, he he got taught how to farm. Like one one dad's a farmer, one dad's a scientist. Like you know, that's that's the perfect uh, it's the perfect meeting of two two worlds. <laughs> it's true. Um, no, I was just. 
I I wanted to be one of those guys who like super di- deep dives into into total nothing nothingness and tries <laughs> to make sense out of it. Um, but I feel it's like funny. I was not on board at first, but like the as you wrapped up the end of that explanation, I was like, you know what? That's that's a good little analysis, regardless of whether they thought <laughs> you know thought through that at all when they put it in there. Like that is a very very great little uh, symbolic thing to to infer. Yeah, I don't think it's true at all. I just think. Uh, the hell with it like everything happens for a reason man yeah right these movie makers are smart <laughs> so um i think you're right on that aspect no but it's cool I, it is pretty silly uh that he got a ride from LexCorp. um so it's silly that he got a ride in general and this is going back i'm pretty sure we talked about <laughs> it last week he so we thought that this scene was out of sequence of when lois went to kent farms which now, if you listen to the dialogue of what Martha's saying, yep. you know, a reporter came by. Reporter came it's by. not out of sequence. It's, it's a continuing, you know, it's, the, it's still a linear storytelling. So, Lois went to the farm, mm-hmm. got turned down, went to the, you know, did her, as we thought, you know, we inferred that she did her analysis of Martha Kent, realized that there was no uh, husband, so she went to the graveyard. And then we see Clark, uh, we assume he flies down. And is, you know, I think he ran. Okay, well, anyway, he's carried by the wind, running, flying, either one. So he's there. Now, how far away is the graveyard to Kent Farms? And why does he need to hitch a ride on a truck? Why can't he just whoosh and just end up in the backyard, you know, and just walk around, walk around the side gate? Yo, Mom, I'm home. Because somebody might see him and that'd be the end of the world! Yeah. I mean, is that... No, it is that what we're thinking? Like somebody would in Smallville would see him fly. That's to me. That's the in-universe explanation. The filmmaking explanation. Uh, they wanted the LexCorp truck in there. <laughs> but this is okay. It's mm. it's kind of true. Yeah, it's it's like when they uh, had to shoehorn in that Wayne Industries satellite, or maybe they did. I don't know if they did. It's we'll find out later. Yeah, maybe. And also, maybe there might be another LexCorp truck that could show up. So it's not. So, so why have, uh, theoretically, two LexCorp trucks? There's too many. <laughs> too many LexCorp trucks. All right, well, then, all notes aside, they do have a second LexCorp truck later on in the movie. So why, <laughs> <laughs> so why have this first one? It should have been the same truck. So they were like, hey, man, I gave you a ride. What did you destroy my <laughs> truck for? <laughs> He gets out of there like, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah, exactly. Like that, even though it's in Smallville. Oh, it's good. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Um, it should have been, Ludlow should have been hired again to carry the LexCorp oh, truck. Oh, that should have been. Um, and then he would yeah, have like. That should have oh, been man. his truck. Yeah. My trucks keep getting destroyed. Damn. <laughs> what's, what's going on? <laughs> um, Why do what you hate been? me? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you hate my vehicles? <laughs> um. I didn't do anything. I'm a good person. Yeah, right. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was man. just drunk once. Yeah. Okay. Once. Um. <laughs> yeah. So again, my 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 question that's still, I don't know why he needed to hitch a ride, and I don't like the, I don't even. I'll go so far as to call it an excuse of having people see him fly. He just flew like you know he probably covered maybe a third of the world in his flight scene. Uh. She's never and seen no one fly. Yeah, and you'd think like you'd think that somebody like him who, you know, like he's living sort of as a drifter, so he's probably not, you know, he probably doesn't have too much pocket change on him like he'd probably be trying to save a buck wherever he could. So I'm assuming all that travel is pretty expensive if you're not just going to fly yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see him coasting through the sky like us as an audience like just like like him doing the flying but like in his Joe Schmo clothes like with his stupid hat, oh, is it? <laughs> I think I think I figured it out. Is that his stupid hat and his uh, ridiculously unbuttoned shirt would fly off if he was up in the sky? So he doesn't yeah. want to do that. It's not that's, built that's, like that's his, what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's not built like his uh, Kryptonian uh, jumpsuit. So he doesn't yeah, want to no. lose his his Kanye West special apparel. Yeah, is what you called it later. That's <laughs> an expensive outfit he's got on. You know that, don't you know? Um, yeah. Don't you know? uh but i i do love uh them meeting again and like him being um 
Well, she she does worry about. It. She's like, you know, uh, this reporter came looking for you, and she warns him, warns him of Lois, uh, but he calms her down. So yeah, we do realize that this is happening linear and not just at a sequence. Yeah. Um, but he's so happy in this in this minute, and it's because um, he's able to tell her like, yo, I found them. I found my parents. I found where I come from. I found my people and all that. And I think it's really, I think it's really great. And I think, I think now he's returned as not really just Clark Kent, but as Cal L, um, which is it to me. It, it feels very representative of like um, people who are who like back in the seventies when um, a lot of African Americans were able to reclaim their heritage that they lost from all the years of slavery. Mm-hmm. And people like really got back in touch with their African roots, and um, they were able to like kind of reclaim their their original names and and stuff like that. And um, I forget what I read a story once that that uh, basically did that, and you know. And so I, I like this. I like that he can come back. Um, he doesn't come back and say like, "Oh, you just refer to me as as Kal El from now on." But like, he's just so happy that he found his his. Uh, I don't want to say home. His heritage. Yeah, just heritage. Um, I wrote down that he uses the phrase, my parents, and I I felt like that was just such a harsh, again, calling back to, like, you know, him in the car having the argument, you're not even my real dad. It's it's like he, the, Martha and John are his parents. Yes, Jor-El and Lara gave birth and, and conceived, uh, you know, Kal-El, but they didn't, in my opinion, they didn't parent him, and it wasn't until he was at this age where he did get parenting from Jor-El, you know, through the through the memories and through the crystals and, and whatnot. So it's still just, it, it just rubs me the wrong way, where he, he used the word my parents. Well, it rubs her the wrong way, too, because she's like, yeah. oh, you know? Yeah, of course. She's like, oh, you don't need little old me anymore. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's just very... It's it's just a bummer, and maybe it goes back to that uh, David Goyer being the adopted son kind of kind of deal, and uh, I don't I don't they know. They make man. they make up for it in the next minute though. Like there's a point that he says. I mean, what else are you gonna call them? I found my parents. That's what he says. I found my parents. Well, he says I found my people. I found where I come from. He could have so, just left out the parents in general. Come on, you know you found. You gotta say you found your parents. She's wondering too. If he didn't say that, she'd yeah, be he like, could have just said like biological parents or something. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he didn't say. I think he says real parents. What does he say? Real parents. He just says parents? my parents. I found my parents, not real parents, just parents. I found my parents. Yeah, he just says parents. I found my people. I found where I come from. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's meant to invoke some sadness in her because you know they're gonna play something in the next minute. Um. So yeah, it's. it's she would ask about it like yeah you found out about where you come from and and your and your people but did you find out who your parents were and why they sent you which you know he's kind of like this is the start of like a whole conversation that they're gonna have it's not like it's gonna end right here no they're gonna go inside and have lunch and watch the game or something and talk all about it you know um what i do like um filmmaking wise for this minute i really enjoy um, a lot of times I do this a lot whenever I watch a movie, but when I see, um, man, I can't even, I don't even know what to call it. Um, but you see one character with their back turned to the camera and then there's another person talking. So you kind of see that, that 180 plane. Um, no, normally I'm always looking at the person with their back turned cause I'm watching their jaw move mm-hmm. or not move when mm-hmm. they should be talking. They yeah. don't. Like she's exact, her expressions and her uh, her dialogue, her words, they are what she's doing in that exact moment, and I love that. I love that it's not like, oh, we'll just you know have you do voiceovers and post or anything. Yeah, like, it's such a you see it, and then they even turn like they turn through the angle so that you get to see her reaction. Because I think in the next minute, that's when she has the reaction of like, oh, you found your parents. Like, I feel kind of uh worthless now mm-hmm. um like you don't like maybe you're not going to care about me anymore um so but yeah i really enjoy that 
I can look at that and be like, she's saying those words right now and she's having those reactions right now. And none of it seems like, all right, just stand here and you can just, you know, do your lines in post or something. So, uh, plus for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, in this, in this, uh, in this little minute, the, I thought that the, the, the little part where he says, I know where I come from, uh, it just like, it kind of struck a a little bit of a funny bone in me because like, for some reason in my head, the first thing that I thought of is like a kid running up to his parents and going, I know where babies come from. (laughs) Um, and then the thing that that sort of led me down the road of is like, wait a minute, hold on. If that was what he was saying, if he came up to her and said, "I, I know where babies come from that means a totally different thing on Krypton than it does on earth. You know, like as yeah. we saw babies on Krypton come from a, you know, a, a gener- or a, what do they call it? The birthing matrix. And yeah. you know, birthing like it's chamber. like this whole thing. And so it just, it led me down this weird rabbit hole of the birds and the bees being a very different thing of, uh, for Kryptonians and, and earthlings. It's true. Yeah. It's well, I mean, true. he, he was born the, or conceived the, the same way they do here on earth. I think. I think that's true. Yes, the last no, yes, you're right. Yeah. Yes, okay. I don't know if they have the same in route. the context of this movie. Yes. Um. So yeah. I, no. It's <laughs> I hope you got out of that rabbit hole quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I. I eventually I, I climbed out of it after uh, after much pondering on all the the hilarious conversations that could ensue. For, you know, like a weird who's on first situation where they're talking about birth and they just do not understand it the same way. Oh man, it's like being in the weird uh, parts of YouTube. Yeah. Yo, what the? Where am I? <laughs> How did I get here? Like, I took a wrong turn after that uh, kitten video, and now I'm yeah. here. It's been two hours, <laughs> and I don't know what happened to my life. Oh man. Now I want to see the 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 Kryptonian version of Abbott and Costello. Maybe we'll get it in that <laughs> sci-fi show. Oh my God. That's so silly. <laughs> it's a uh, Abbott, Abbott L and Costello's or yeah, is what they call them. Huh? I'm just kidding. That was a dumb, it was, look, it was improv. It was ad-libbed. On, no, I was going to say like, like the Costello. Yeah. There you go. And then Abbott Zer. Zer. There you go. Or, we're gonna write this guys yeah we're gonna stay here until we write this out (laughs) yeah we'll get this we'll get it optioned Warner Um, will buy it yeah there you go um that's all i have for this minute what about you guys uh i'm i'm good on that aspect um yeah 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 i'm i'm pretty tapped out all right cool uh jason can you tell us the first time you saw man of steel uh, the first time I saw Man of Steel, I believe it was opening night. If it wasn't opening night, it was uh, the following night. Um, and it was, it actually, like, the first time I saw it, it it blew me away. I was so stoked for, you know, like, the trailers that I had seen and everything. Um, and so I was very, very excited for it. And when I walked out of the theater after the first time, uh, I, I was very blown away visually. Um, a few things in the story had kind of, like, made me sort of, you know, turn my head or kind of like raise my eyebrows a little bit while I was watching it. But the movie itself was just so cinematic and, and very just, uh, you know, just like bombastic and extreme for all the action. And it was, it was quite a spectacle to, to take in. Um, and so I really liked it the first time I watched it and I still really like this movie. It's, you know, it's a, I, I still go back and watch this one probably more than, the other Superman movies with the exception of uh, Superman two, uh, the Richard Donner cut. Hmm. Um, but cool. uh, cause that one, the, the Richard Donner cut of Superman two is incredible. Um, and I will stand by that one, but yeah, it, it is one of those things. Like every time I watched it, there were sort of like the second time I watched it, there were a couple of things like the things that we sort of talked about in this uh, sequence of minutes where, I got a little a little aggravated at certain story elements because I, you know, was seeing the whole scene uh, rather than the focus. Um, and so, like for a while, I was like, "Oh, that movie's so stupid." Uh, but then, like when it when it came out on Blu-ray and I, you know, watched it at home uh, quite a lot, um, it uh, it settled right into that zone of like really liking the movie, but uh, still having sort of those flaws and and central things that. Uh, stuck in my head cool um yeah i do remember though when i the first time i saw it and that that wayne enterprises satellite like 
in you know in the moment of like just seeing that little thing teased i was like oh my gosh like they're gonna they're gonna bring you know christopher nolan's dark knight into this because at the time you know he was producer on this movie and there were still kind of like thoughts and and they were trying to convince him to uh bring in christian bale and do this batman superman thing um and so at the time i thought that's what was going to happen and i was like sweet like we're actually going to get more dark knight you know we're going to get more christian bale after this but no dice Um, I think you're the only person that we've had on the on the show so far that like as a guest that's been like first time seeing it in theaters like they were they came out with like the like utmost positive outlook on it. I think you've had the most positive experience with the first. I don't know. Everyone else seems like they walked out kind of like meh, and then like they watch it later on Blu-ray and they're like, "Wow, this movie is actually really really good." Yeah, or like. Is actually mm-hmm. better than what I thought when I first saw it in theaters. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're not loving it, but they still liked it better the second or third time around. Um, but most people yeah. did leave the theater like kind of like, you know what? I'm not so sure about that because again, a lot of people were expecting what we've seen Superman in film in the past, so kind of broke yeah. a lot of people's uh, expectations. Um, but yeah. and I, that's like I was going in totally ready for that because I you know I, like obviously you'd seen at this point some Zack Snyder films like 300 and Watchmen uh, and Dawn of the Dead like he kind of knew what to expect out of Zack Snyder to a certain extent so I went in going okay you know this is going to be you know a you know sort of darker you know more um, I guess grounded approach to Superman and so I was I was kind of ready for that aspect of it and so I think that like just getting through that, the sort of murkiness of it uh, before walking in, I think was a big sort of reason why I had a more positive experience at first. Maybe, I don't know. Just went in more open-minded than most people. So maybe that's the key. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, um. So you were really looking forward to uh, Christian Bale reprising his role as the Dark Knight in this uh, newly founded cinematic universe, but that didn't happen obviously. And uh, did, does that have an yeah. effect on your overall opinion about the DC cinematic universe or extended universe? I'm sorry. Uh, you're fine. Yeah, I actually, so it, it's kind of a funny thing where I, I really enjoyed the Nolan trilogy. All three movies I think are, are incredible. And, and I think all three movies are in the top 10 superhero movies of all time. Um, and so with that being said, with that sort of established uh, precedent of what Batman was on film at the time, I, you know, that's just what I wanted. I was like, ah, oh, that'd be weird to, you know, recast and kind of like and do something else with it or like try to continue with that same Batman. Uh, but, you know, in like a, you know, with a different actor underneath the same costume and stuff like I just thought it would be it would be a little weird. Um, that being said, when when they announced that, A, it wasn't going to be Christian Bale um, and they were going to go into, you know, go in a new direction with it. Uh, I, I was actually pretty excited because I went, okay, like they can, instead of sort of retrofitting Superman in the Man of Steel world to the Dark Knight universe, they can start from Superman and sort of, you know, bring in a different type of Batman. And they were talking about how, you know, it was going to be a bit more Frank Miller inspired and all these things. And I went, you know, that's actually, you know, that's really cool. And I got really excited. Um, and then they started announcing, you know, who who was being considered for, you know, the cast of bat uh, or to be cast as Batman. And, you know, there were names like Idris Elba thrown out, um, you know, Joe Manganiello. Uh, I think John Hamm was rumored for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and those all really excited me. Like I, I thought that like an Idris Elba Batman would have been really cool and, and there would have been no better way to sort of distance it as a new universe than to cast somebody like Idris Elba that was so wildly different from Christian Bale, not only in terms of obviously race, but then, you know, stature, physical presence, his style of acting, like it would have been a very different uh, uh, type of Batman. You know, he's he's a freaking huge guy. Like, you know, he's he's Frank Miller's Batman in terms of like just the physical presence of him. Like, mm-hmm. he's yeah. Enormous dude, much like Ben Affleck is. Yeah. Um, and so I, I started getting really excited for that. Um, and then when they announced that Ben Affleck was cast, I was actually pretty on board with it i know most like batman fans had like this really like negative reaction to ben affleck being cast as as batman at first um which i didn't get i mean and i think i think i might have been podcasting at that point so i think that uh we might have like had an on-air 
you know, sort of like reaction to Affleck being cast as Batman. But I actually just looking at him and how he is physically, he looks like the perfect uh, fusion between uh, Bruce Timm's Batman and Frank Miller's Batman in terms of how he looks physically, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't wrap my head around people being angry at, at Ben Affleck. I mean, I, his movies and everything, like, they were still fantastic. Um, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah he, I, in my opinion, he was perfectly cast. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I had no gripes with it. I, I have no gripes with it now. Yeah. It's I want more, and I can't wait till I get more. I think a lot of people were thinking of... Um, you know, obviously Daredevil was like most people's like perception of how Ben Affleck would portray a superhero. Um, but what yeah. I remember when he got casted, uh, it was very hot off the heels of, um, uh, Argo. And yeah. I, I had just seen yeah. Argo and I was like, to me, I thought it was so weird. Cause like, I was kind of surprised with myself being so excited for Ben Affleck being cast. Cause I was like, yo, that guy did Argo did, like, are we not like taking that into consideration that this guy is playing Batman? Like, and the town, yeah, I mean, yeah. like real. I'm on board. Yeah, exactly. With that. The the town is like one of my favorite crime movies of all time, and you know, yeah. Gone Baby Gone, and obviously Argo. He had just won Best Picture for, and I think Best Director. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like he, yeah, he had so many like solid performances. I was like, oh crap, like that's awesome. Because then it started entering into the, into my mind the possibility, which you know would turn out to. Uh, then get you know raised up and then crushed the possibility of him directing a batman movie um started to enter into my mind and like that that got me really excited and sucks that we won't see it uh, as far as we know anymore but yeah. um I'm but yeah I, I, I like the yeah exactly if if the universe i think if the universe starts to take a uh a more upward turn in terms of you know public opinion and and maybe less you know uh, studio oversight and stuff like that there's probably a possibility that he could come back to to direct one but um mm-hmm. but yeah i i did you guys also want to talk about like the overall dc extended universe and sort of my yeah, have, yeah at, absolutely. Have, have at it <laughs> all right so i and and just to sort of preface like i'm a i'm a huge dc fan like i grew up on the the batman animated series and you know the justice league animated series and like you know i've been reading comics since i was uh like i think like eight or nine i think about nine years old i started reading teen titans and batman um it's like the dc universe is like just this thing where like when i think of you know when i think of comics or when i think of of superheroes or anything like that or even just stories i love like it's the dc universe you know like that's that's my Mm -hmm. basis and i know a lot of people are the same way for marvel um but i come from more the dc side and so you know personally like i I really, 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 really want the DC universe to be, you know, to be sort of the big uh, thing that the Marvel universe is. You know what I mean? Like all these characters that we haven't seen on screen yet, uh, you know, like people like Booster Gold or, or, you know, I guess even you could count Green Lantern or especially like Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Like they have these this huge just treasure trove of incredible characters that that a lot of the public hasn't really seen in film yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like nothing excites me more than like, you know, those characters coming to screen and obviously like the, the recent success of these CW shows like Arrow and the Flash and Supergirl, um, that's all been really exciting and I haven't quite kept up on the newest seasons of them, but I've really enjoyed all those shows. Um, so anyway, I, I digress. Um, I... I like where the DC extended universe is headed as of right now. Um, I, I thought that it did kind of get off to a rocky start because they were building from the foundation of Superman. And I felt that the characterization that they had of Superman in the first two movies was a bit more dour and um, self-centered than the typical Superman is. And it's hard to build an entire universe around a character that has that type of outlook um Mm -hmm. you know uh, but again i think that starting from superman was a good idea because it introduces the world to superheroes um and so and then obviously having Zack snyder be the sort of um you know the person guiding the vision for that universe i think did lead to a few uh rocky things and it took until you know last year until warner brothers finally decided to say okay 
you know, we're going to make a separate company, much like Marvel did. We're going to make a separate company within our umbrella that is just focused on DC films and, you know, obviously called it DC films and then put Jeff Johns in charge of it. I think that was the moment where I went, okay, like it might be Rocky. There might be some sort of, you know, like some missteps and some, you know, some controversial movies that people have very mixed reactions to, but you get a guy like Jeff Johns in charge of it and running the ship and finally having that one consistent voice of somebody who knows and loves comics uh, and has worked in the industry for a long time. And was even, you know, he was the assistant to um, Laura Donner when she was producing the X-Men films. Like he's, or sorry, no, he was Richard Donner. That was Kevin Feige. That was Laura Donner's assistant. Uh, Jeff Johns, funny enough, was the assistant to uh, uh, Richard Donner. And so there, there was, this is like a weird digression. I'm sorry for going. No, please, by all means. (laughs) Um, so back in the early 2000s, uh, Laura Donner married to Richard Donner. Richard Donner directed the old Superman movies, and Laura Donner was producing the new X-Men movies. Laura Donner's assistant, Kevin Feige, at the time, would go on to then be the president of Marvel Studios, you know, 15, 20 years down the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richard Donner's assistant, Jeff Johns, would go on to be the president of DC Films 20 years down the road. So it's like this weird kind of thing that starts, you know, with one married couple um which i've always thought is kind of funny no it is that's um, cool it's a good fit yeah mm-hmm. it, it is a really good fit um and so anyway i think that jeff johns is the right visionary to have in charge of this universe um and we're only going to really start to feel his impact on it uh i mean really starting with aquaman because he took over as the president of dc films like right as justice league started to shoot and so they had already had the script locked down. They had had the story. Like, everything there was kind of set in stone. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Aquaman, he's been the president of DC Films for most of the pre-production on it and even, I think, did a treatment on the uh, the actual draft for the script. Um, and so my sort of thought on the DC Universe is that it's headed in the right direction. Uh, Wonder Woman looks really, really good. Uh, we just barely had a trailer for Justice League come out that looked really exciting to me. Um but I think honestly that Aquaman is going to be the movie that actually like makes that huge uh, part in the pun makes that huge splash. Hmm. That's uh, you know that 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 sort of like oh you know wakes everybody up to like oh crap, this is actually a really really cool universe. Um, so that like I'm excited for Wonder Woman and Justice League, but I feel like Aquaman is just going to be an amazingly unique and groundbreaking experience as a film. I think that James Wan is an incredible director to have behind it. Obviously, you know, um, Jason Momoa is, uh, I think a really cool choice for Aquaman. And then like, you just follow that down the sort of, uh, continued line after that. You've got Shazam, you've got, you know, cyborg green lantern core. Like it's, I think the universe is really going to start to open up after Justice League. I think jo- Justice League will sort of open the door. And then mm-hmm. having that one-two punch of like Aquaman and Shazam and probably the Batman movie at some point in there, like I think that'll really kick the doors down and, and get this universe kicking into high gear. Yeah. yeah. It just takes time. Yeah, really. <laughs> it does. And it's been like it's 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 been so disappointing to watch the troubles they've had because like you know the the Flash movie has gone through three directors before they've even started shooting and now it's been delayed because of that. Um, you know the Batman movie changing directors and screenwriters, uh, which actually I think they found the right guy in Matt Reeves to direct the Batman. He's done the last two Planet of the Apes movies, which have been really yeah. Good. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think I think that they're making the right decisions now, and I think probably because it's Jeff Johns making those decisions rather than like some executive at Warner brothers, just trying to figure out the bottom line. Um, you know, Jeff Johns has the love for these characters and you can feel it. If you read any of his comics, whether it's Superman, teen Titans, justice league, justice society, like booster freaking gold Aquaman, like he loves this world. He loves these characters and always has. And so I feel like there's nobody better to be like making the decisions for this universe. Um, and I think that if they can just sort of get through like this rough patch that they've had recently and getting things going, uh, and if people will be, you know, at least on board enough to get us through to, to at least to Aquaman and Shazam, I think that by that point there won't be any stopping it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it could be a good thing to see certain things, um, kind of being killed off and, and redone. Um, you know, yeah. like 
to to work on a piece of art you sometimes have to uh kill your baby quote unquote in in a sense of like hey this isn't working we just need to you know scrap it start from scratch um because we want it to be good we want it to be perfect and um you know with with directors exiting and and scripts being redone maybe it just wasn't right and maybe you know like maybe they're actually taking the time to make sure they they do it right instead of just instead of just doing it and being like well as long as we can pump out a, a flash film uh then let's just go ahead and do it um because it's it's yeah. it's not like we're hearing i mean i cross my fingers i hope not like it's not like we're hearing anything coming from like jeff johns being like you know what i'm not you know it's not him that you know it's not him or Zack snyder that's like uh, you know, we're kind of having, you know, some problems here, but it's like, it's mostly like they're kind of being the one saying like, we're, we don't think it's right. Or, you know, we think we need to still work on something. So it could always yeah. be a good sign. It doesn't always have to be a bad sign. I think, um, we, there's always a call, like people always want to panic when something changes, but it's like, you have to realize that films do this on the regs all the time. Um, oh, yeah. Of and course. yeah, so it's like, you know, to to have a movie go through to switch directors to switch teams and switch scripts and screenplays and whatnot that's just the natural part of fi- filmmaking and um yeah I, I just hope that we do get the best product in the end that's all we can really hope for um and yeah. to, to you know we're only hurting ourselves by being so alarmed by every little thing that that comes out and we're like you know we're so bloodthirsty for like disinformation to come out that it's it's really just it's unhealthy um mm-hmm. so we just yeah. need to uh once we see the final product then we can make our analysis just take a chill pill yeah, yeah there you go yeah and i think i think a lot of these things that have been covered as like bad news for the universe has really just been jeff johns being like all right like i took over i need to like I need to get this to a point where things are cohesive and headed in the right direction, you know, give us sort of a, a brighter and, and more optimistic feel to the universe. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of it probably just came down to things not aligning with yeah. that sort of vision, um, which is good because at least they have a vision now. You know what I mean? Whereas Absolutely. you could kind of feel it on Suicide Squad where it started with a certain vision and direction and then halfway through suddenly started getting morphed into something else and, you know, and so then you end up with a movie that doesn't know what it is. Yeah, exactly, and and I agree with that because um, you know it it did have its problems. Um, do I think every quote unquote problem that we're hearing is is related to um, the reception of Donna Justice? I don't think so at all. I think a lot of people want to easily like be like, oh, it's because of how Donna Justice did. Like let's uh, let's you know let's trace it to that, and it's like yeah. you know there's there's so many things at play. In a, in a world that we don't get to be in, like there's no one being like, "Hey, you want to like sit in this boardroom and listen to like us talk about what's working, what's not working?" Like, you, so when something comes out, we're so eager to be like, "Oh, it's because of uh, you know Zack Snyder? Is it because of Donna Justice? Is it because of like uh, you know this weird Superman that we're not used to seeing?" It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's not always because of that. You know, there's other things yeah. at play here. Um, and I, I will say the one, so the biggest thing that, that's kind of let me know that the universe is going to be okay is when they announced a Nightwing film, because I think that the DC universe as a whole, you know, the way that it functions, whether it's in the, in TV, in comics, in film, that whole universe and it's sort of feeling or it's, uh, it's general health can directly be traced to how Dick Grayson is doing at the time. Like, I feel like he's the sort of cornerstone to that universe. He's the linchpin that holds the DC universe together because he's this, you know, he, he's always been like that sort of the spirit of that universe. He's been like that young, energetic kid that kind of reflects the uh, the mindset and the emotions of the readership. And so when they announced that there's a Nightwing film that's being developed and the director is going to be one of the directors from the Lego Batman movie... Uh, uh, like that's incredible. I think that's one of the coolest announcements I've ever heard. So you're saying he's DC's Spider-Man? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. He's DC's Spider-Man, and it's it's I this thing that. where we've kind of heard people say it before, where Nightwing is a Mar- or sorry, Dick Grayson is a Marvel character in the DC universe, and Spider-Man is a DC character in the Marvel universe. Um, and I think that that that's kind of true. Like they they have their own sort of like 
elements to them that are very similar and just kind of like reversed in certain ways. Hmm. I can see that. I can see, I can also yeah. see, uh, Nightwing is kind of a, a combination between Superman and Batman where like the personality of Superman, but like the, the world of Batman. Yeah. I've always thought that, that was, that was Dick Grayson. And I, it kind of, again, I'm going to bring up Max Landis American alien, but that version of Dick Grayson mm-hmm. was the exact embodiment of both the characters, especially at those two characters, yes. Batman and Superman, at the time that they were being depicted at. Mm-hmm. It was like they were they were even younger than what we're seeing and, now um, in the universe. But like that Dick Grayson was the embodiment of both those characters. Oh my god, he was Yeah, he was whoo, great. That was perfect. That 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 run. Oh my gosh. <laughs> American like, Alien is one of my favorite Superman stories. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like Man, man, oh man, was that I needed that Superman story to come out. <laughs> That's yes, awesome. Me too. Uh, speaking of which, if you had to introduce someone to the world of Superman, uh, what book, movie, show, uh, audiobook, I don't know, what, video game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a tough call to me. Uh, I have, so I have kind of like a, a definitive uh, Superman sort of reading list. Um, I'd say if you were to read one story to be an introduction to Superman, um, it's a toss up between Mark Wade's Superman birthright, which I feel is kind of the, the version of, I think the, the story that man of steel maybe should have been if I were to, you know, pick what, what I think is the best. Um, but I'd say either birthright or American alien is the best place to start on Superman. Um, and then to follow those up, uh, if you want to keep, you know, if, if either of those or both of them get you really interested in Superman or kind of hook you, uh, then the two runs that I think are the best follow-ups would be All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison um, and uh, Superman Rebirth or Rebirth Superman, the current run that's going on from uh, Patrick Gleason and Pete Tomasi because it's, it's a, I think, a fresh look on Superman, looking at him as a parent. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of, I think, it like, Superman being a dad just makes sense the sort of central elements of that character of protecting and, you know, fighting for the people that he cares most about and all that stuff. Like it's, it's really well embodied when he's got a wife and a son at home. Um, and there's just such a great feeling of optimism and bravery and stuff like that in that run. So, uh, those, those are kind of my four like all time favorite Superman stories. All good choices. Um, And (laughs) I appreciate it. Uh, and then if you're going to introduce a kid to Superman, I'd say the justice league animated series is the best place to go. Huh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, after this film, we're really looking forward to uh, doing Dawn of Justice minute by minute. Um, anything yeah. you would like to talk about in that in that film? If you would like to join us again, minute by minute. Absolutely. No, there's there's plenty that uh, that I would love to talk about in Dawn of Justice. Um, I I actually I quite enjoy the introduction um of lex Luthor in that film and i felt like that was that's something that gets a lot of hate uh but was actually one of the elements of the film that worked best for me i think that uh that yeah jesse eisenberg i felt like was the perfect choice for lex Luthor. um you know in sort of adapting the dc universe to the world that we live in now mm-hmm. that's the lex Luthor that i think makes most sense absolutely um you know, we've got our Mark Zuckerbergs and our Snapchat guys and all these, you know, young dropout rich people that don't know what to do with their money. You know, like uh, I, I just felt like it fits so much better uh, in the world today than a typical Lex Luthor would. Now, granted, you know, in a in a post Donald Trump world, there there could be arguments made, um, you know, for the sort of President Luther, you know, grown up, very conniving type Lex Luthor to be a little more applicable. Uh but that Lex Luthor, I feel, is very, very, very intelligent. Um, and I'll just let that comment rest right there. <laughs> yeah. No. And you can extrapolate from it whatever you'd like about what I'm saying. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome. I liked all of it. Uh, yeah, I'm digging it. I, <laughs> I would love to hear you talk so much about Lex Luthor, um, especially Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg's portrayal of him in, in the next film. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. I, all good stuff. I. Yo, I loved hearing all that. Like, that is, that is some good <laughs> stuff right there. Um, awesome. But sadly, all yeah, good if, things. 
must come to an end. Um, they must. Um, <laughs> if anyone does uh, want to hear more ramblings from myself and my other two uh, co-hosts about comic books in general, DC characters, Marvel characters, all that, uh, you can tune into the Savage Land, and we we talk all that stuff every week. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, listeners, please don't forget to check out Jason's shows, his network uh, that might be cool, Living Dead Minute. Please check all that stuff out. Savage Land sounds cool. Um, you know, Nate's over here jealous about <laughs> Patrick Gleason. Oh man, um, and uh, well, man, yeah. I was gonna ask, actually, ask you when he when he confirmed, I there. couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, man. like we've exactly. we've got an awesome um, list of guests for our for our thing, but uh, we couldn't believe it when Patrick Gleason confirmed. Yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. Like that's, whew. <laughs> yeah, and we we've got plenty more down the pipeline that we can't quite talk about yet. But uh, if you were if you were a fan of the reinvention of Batgirl in recent years, um, the the there's there's an exciting sort of announcement that we'll have soon once we get a, a date figured out and uh, you know all that stuff. So we we've been really enjoying these interviews we've been doing with these uh, with these creators. That's awesome. That's that's outstanding that's crazy i look forward to it um don't forget guys we're going to be wrapping up this week um don't forget uh to leave us a great review and in future episodes we're going to be reading those reviews out to you guys on the air so you guys can listen to your wonderful words being said and people uh can listen to it and also don't forget if you're looking for some other podcasts we also have stellar dynamics the ultimate encyclopedic compendium of all things rush where every episode they deep dive into one album of Rush and go track by track through it um, with two outstanding music theorists. And then we also have Honey Hole My Beer, which is just two gals drinking craft beers, sharing odd stories, and it's a hilarious free-range podcast. So definitely give that a try. Uh, thank you, Jason, so much for joining us this week yes. on DC Cinematic Minute. Thank you so um, much. I hope you yeah, guys... Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank yeah, you Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a blast. Um, oh, and. Totally. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll check you guys next week here on DC Cinematic Minute. Awesome, guys. Yeah, th- thanks for having me. It's been uh, really fun. I love I love talking DC stuff. And, uh, both of my co-hosts on the Savage Land are pretty big Marvel fans, so I don't often get uh, get enough opportunity to talk uh, DC.